Jukebox, jukebox, playlist, playlist, head drops, Cody Chris, but we sing our songs sometimes, sometimes, and dance, and dance, with friends, mm-hmm. we might even get a little groove and kill, crazy little top tension. Hello, everybody, and welcome to okay, episode so that's Sorry oh. to interrupt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the intro threw me off a little bit there. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, welcome, everybody, to episode number 28. Uh, I'm your host, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, and yeah, uh, Power Balance uh, is the one. This is actually the, the last one that we are that we are recording uh, before we before we go into uh, into Wham, the Wham era. Um, so yeah, uh, let's start off with our uh, with our panel. Um, our main regular partner. I think my I think my internet's cutting out based on the uh, internet screen there. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, didn't know you guys were going to do a Wham episode next. Uh, thanks for telling me about that. Uh, but I'm good. I'm good. Doing well. Uh, this was a painful, painful list. I literally had one ready to go, and then I then someone reminded me of a song. And I literally had to change my entire list maybe five minutes ago. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. And the other person uh, joining us today, uh, the quarantine age dirtbag himself, Joey Adams. How's it going, sir? Good, man. Good. What's going on? I just, uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat, Andrew. I had like nine drafts to this playlist. See, I had a real like internal struggle with this because I was like, is this, is this a, is it a power ballad or is it just a love song? You know? Yes. This is, you know what I mean? There's like a very fine line. So, okay, so some of these are probably going to be skating on the edge, and I apologize. But, uh, yeah, man, this was tough. This I've done a few of these, and this one was like tougher than I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, this is one that you could that we could have almost done similar to the One Hit Wonders, where you could have almost broken it down to like 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, I think power. I think power ballads in general might have taken like a bit of a dip in two, in two thousand tens, but I think they kind of. T- I, I think I think there's also an argument where they took t- took on a bit of a different style. Um, but for those of you who haven't heard the show before, uh, myself, Joey, and uh, Andrew have our ten favorite power ballads. Uh, we were going through our ten through six, and then our five through one, uh, one at a time. Um, there are two things that our panelists have: a skip and a scratch. Uh, a skip being uh, if you have a song that is higher on your list that appears in somebody else's, uh, then you see skip uh, to give uh, to give yourself uh, honors or whatnot. Um, and then a scratch uh, being um, if you if there was a song on someone else's list that would have made yours, uh, then you use a scratch uh, to put that song on said list. But Andrew, your number ten is. Uh, my number 10 is Somewhere Only We Know by Keen. Um, this is uh, a ballad from 2004, I want to say it is. Um, Keen is one of those bands that I'm surprised didn't become a bigger thing in America uh, because they're a fantastic group. They only had like two songs ever make any impact, and it was a little here. The piano in this song is amazing. Um, just the 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 rhythm that it carries throughout the entire piece and the atmosphere it brings it's amazing and the vocals and that melody are incredible uh this is one of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard in my life uh joey yeah dude it's funny you should just mention that i just thought the exact same thing keen had that mega album they put out and everybody was talking about them for a while you know they were like they made the cover of Rolling Stone. I think people were comparing them to Queen for some reason. I know there was some sort of a Queen reference in there. I can see it. Yeah, but yeah, no, super operatic and like it. Um, kind of like 
they kind of came around. Remember when Ben Folds Five kind of hopped on the scene? Yeah, you know what I mean. And like the ballad, like it's like after Billy Joel, there was no like piano man that were like actually front men. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, that's a great pick, man. When I saw that on the list, I kind of forgot about that song, and I was like, damn it, yeah, that is a good track. I'm not gonna scratch it, but uh, yeah, good pick, man. Very very good pick. Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm gonna I'll echo, echo Joey. This is a great pick. I'm surprised it, it's at it's at ten. Um, of yeah, I'm surprised too. Yeah, of the songs on on your list, it's probably probably like in the in the, in the top half. But yeah, it's like it's to kind of go off of what Joey's saying with Ben Folds Five. This reminds me of like Sarah McLaughlin and like um Vanessa and like Vanessa Vanessa Carlton and like and like you said, like a lot of those more piano uh, piano heavy um piano heavy pop songs. Uh, you don't really get them anymore, or they're like it's almost like that's almost considered a concept album, I think now. Um, but uh, you're number nine. My number nine is a classic pick. Um, it is a song that almost made my covers list as well. Um, that would be Heart, uh, their song Alone. Ah. Uh, I think that this is a great song. Um, I've heard the original version, and they're very similar. The main reason that the Heart version is better, and the main reason the Heart version makes my list, is Anne fucking Wilson. Wilson. Uh, that woman has friggin' pipes. Like the way that she delivers this, it's just the right amount of like cheese there. It's, but it's a good balance of cheese and emotion, uh, and just like pure raw talent. Um, the Wilson sisters are fantastic, um, and this is just one of those like fill an arena ballads um, that you get, and it's it's top tier. It is top tier power ballad. Funny you mentioned that. I actually had a cheese and emotion sandwich for lunch today. Um, plus, <laughs> My God. But yeah, uh, no, Hearts, Hearts, really cool. Like and and Wilson, uh, like, like you mentioned. Um, in terms of that, like arena, like arena pop style, and like even the way that like the drums are mixed, and then how um, how our sister Nancy comes in with 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 a harmony, and then like whenever they hit that hit that top part in the chorus. And then um, I, th- I think it's like in the, the in the second chorus when it when it fades off of that and then it comes into that really epic guitar epic guitar solo. Um, I think spoiler alert: there's gonna be a lot of epic guitar solos coming up. Um, but um, Andrew, your number oh. eight. Oh, we're not gonna sorry. let Joey talk. No, wait, sorry, my, my apologies. Oh, what? that's okay. Rude. No, and um, dude, Ann Wilson is a powerhouse, hundred um, percent. And like, what some people might not know, I know, I don't know, people know hard for like their big mainstream hits, but as good as she is, and as a powerhouse as she is, she struggled with um, with like stage fright and a lot of self esteem issues her entire career. Like, it was really difficult for her to go on stage, which is crazy when you think about it, because because it's Ann Wilson, right? Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, I think for the '80s, I mean, I, I think I might have said this before on, on previous episodes. But if you had, if we had a top ten list of like best singers of all time, I'd say more than half of my list would be female vocalists. Um, so, you know what I mean? Some of the best singers yeah. in the world. I just tended, especially for like for ballads and things like that. Just female vocalists. Just they're 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 just on a different level. I think you know. Quick, um, quick. Oh, sorry, never go ahead and finish what you said. No, yeah, no, that's that's kind of what it's just. A lot of my favorite singers tend to be women, and I think it's because I don't know. Maybe I might get slapped for saying this, but I just think they have more of an emotional range than most men do. You know, yeah. um, so yeah. you can feel it a lot more. And heart, they were the, they were the kings and queens of of the eighties, man. Like they had like, and I mean, they started off as like 
you know, that typical kind of guitar rock band, you know, but like they mastered everything. They mastered the ballot. They mastered, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, like very successful band, but also very underrated band in their own right as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just going back on vocals for a second. Um, Ann Wilson or Joni Mitchell, I think is is the is the battle that I have in my head for like not only favorite Canadian female vocalist, but just Canadian or just favorite female vocalist in general. Uh, but Andrew, um, your next song. Uh, my next song is, uh, in my opinion, this group's best song overall. Um, and that is Babe by Styx. Ooh. Uh, this song, um, this is back when Styx was actually, like, not overcomplicating things. Uh, this is back when Dennis DeYoung was actually not trying to be, like, music genius Dennis DeYoung. Um, but it's just, like, this really simple song um, about a guy leaving the girl that he loves and just like saying, I'm going to miss you. I'll be back, but I have to make this journey that I'm on. Um, and it's, it's very simple, but the power behind it, it's very romantic. Um, it's very emotional and it grips you. Um, just the, the composition of the song is fantastic. And, uh, it's probably Dennis DeYoung's best vocal performance as well. He's not getting into that weird, weird ultra nasally area that he can have a tendency to slip into. This is just a very beautiful, heartwarming ballad. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joey. Man, I'm, I'm happy to see sticks on any sort of list. A lot of people shit on sticks because mm-hmm. they're sticks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, no, it's, 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 yeah, you're right. Sticks. They de- de- definitely Dennis DeYoung. Definitely kind of a lot of those prog rockers had that, you know, um, I think Emerson Lake and Palmer is probably like the worst example of that where it's like, dude, come on. We don't need a 45 minute keyboard solo. OK, <laughs> fucking calm down. We're going to be OK. Um, but yeah, no, like uh, great songwriter in his own right. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's sure, I guess you could make the argument. Yeah, sticks are kind of a campy band. Sure. But they still had they still had bops, man. They had jams, mega jams. Yeah. Um, no, this, uh, I'll, I'll echo what you both said. This song is fucking unreal. Um, in the verses, especially I like, I, it reminds me a lot of, a lot, a lot of like early Billy Joel. And especially when you get like that, like that lone, that lone sort of keyboard and then like him sort of being off, like not sorry, like off, off of the distance, but you definitely get that, like the, the loneliness, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in, in the songs. Um, but yeah. And then you come in, you come into the chorus and another epic guitar solo and I think it's just the I think it's the right sort of like blend in terms of like the late like of like the late seventies the influences and then sort of the stylized um, stylized things that you would get from the eighties. But uh, your number seven, my number seven, I think might be the most recent song to make my list. Um, back in twenty twelve, um, hey, does anyone remember Goatye at all? Uh, does anyone remember that guy, the guy who? Broke onto the scene and then just yeah. disappeared, never to be heard from again. Um, yeah, the best song on that album is not somebody that I used to know. It's a song called Save Me. Um, this song is unreal in its composition. Just um, the drums in this are just pounding, but that fluttering, like whatever that is, it's like it's not a synthesizer, but it is definitely beautiful whatever it is it just kind of flutters and floats throughout the entire song and the passion that he puts behind the the lyrics in this song is just unreal like just 
the just the the pure emotion, the rawness of it, and these lyrics about this guy who just seemed to like be wanting to give up on everything, and then he found someone that just basically brought life back into his world again. It's so romantic, but the power behind this is just so incredible. This is one I think more people need to know about. Uh, Joey. I was, yeah, I mean, I kind of dismissed Goche. Just, it, it just wasn't really my thing when it came out. So I actually just heard the song for the first time when I was just kind of going through these lists. And you're right, man. It's like super atmospheric and um, didn't, it wasn't necessarily something I kind of expected from him because I only ever heard the one song. Like, I'll be honest, I just mm-hmm. kind of totally dismissed it. But um, yeah, just from based off this song alone, I'll definitely have to go back and give this album. I think it's Mirrors, I think it's from. Uh, Making Mirrors, yeah. Making Mirrors. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely have to go back and give it a listen. But yeah, no, great tune, man. Great tune. Um, yeah, no, this is um, again really cool song. I like the um, I like the drums in this, and have that kind of like it's like not not really sort of like a traditional sort of arrangement, I guess, in, in like in that sort of section. Um, my the only thing that I would say about it, I wouldn't I wouldn't initially consider it like a like a power like a power ballad, but then you get into that chorus. Um, and like you, he, he's just wailing on like, on, um, literally just like, can someone, can someone save me? And then you get that like nice little, like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like a synth pad or something, but it's very like, very like echoey and it's very, very like bouncy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a very like layered, layered, produ- layered production, I guess, um, in a way. But uh, yeah, no, great, great choice. And it definitely made me look at uh, a power ballads in a, in a different different sort of perspective but your uh, number six uh my number six is uh the one song i was alluding to earlier the one i forgot uh until like five minutes ago um and it's one of the saddest songs i've ever heard in my life but it's beautiful all the same uh it's i can't make you love me by bonnie Raitt. Oh, dude uh oh no <laughs> that's gonna be a yeah that's gonna be a uh, skip a skip for me Yes. All right. Um, all right, Joey, you're 10 through six. Oh, buddy. Starting at 10. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if these are going to be in the correct order, but yeah. Uh, right. So number 10, coming at number 10, I had um, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. <laughs> I'm getting the hate me look here. Um, yeah, I, this, this, I put this a little bit further down on the list just because obviously it's, it's not the, the the greatest oasis song or not my favorite oasis song um but this was the first kind of like i don't know i don't know would you guys consider this a power ballad oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah i understand yeah, yeah yeah um but i just remember the first time i heard this song and it just i was like jesus what the you know what i mean um i just didn't expect it from him but um yeah it's uh i mean the whole record obviously is is great you know uh <laughs> that whole record's fucking unbelievable um but yeah, this one was kind of like a sleeper for me. It eventually became a hit for them. But I, I remember seeing this on like MTV or Much Music or something, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that was Oasis! What the hell?" You know. But uh, yeah, no, I love this song, and uh, it was one of the first songs that kind of came to mind whenever I was putting this initial list together. And it kind of traveled up and down the list a couple of times. But uh, number ten with a bullet, Oasis. Um, yeah, no, this, this is a really cool song. Um, I love this. I love this style, or I guess I love the structure, um, of the, of this power, power ballad. 
Um, I like the, and I think I think it's in this style that I, or I guess the, the detail in particular, um, is the counter melody that you get in guitars. I find a lot of times when you get um, when you get like some sustain um, in the vocal, when you get some sustain in the vocals, I find that's when the guitars are like, all right, let's throw in this this kind of like hammer on sort of slide like slide on heavy riff, and it and they work so well. Um, Andrew, you're muted. Ah, fuck, you wrote a thousand miles again. Yeah, Uh, yeah, no, this song is on my honorable mentions list. Um, This song is fantastic. It might be my favorite Oasis song, actually. Um, Jury's still out on that, but it's definitely top five. Yeah, I I wanted to find room for this one. It's just that there were other ones that I liked a little bit more, but this this song is dope. Nice. Uh, All right, Joey, you're number nine. Number nine, we went with a classic, and you might give me some flack for this one, but it's uh, it's Unchained Melody, man, by the Righteous Brothers. Come on, man. The fucking Righteous Brothers. You know? <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Come on, dude. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if Brooklyn's shaking his head right now because he's singing along or if he's just like, what the fuck is going on with this I'm, guy? I'm, I'm just, I'm just swaying, swaying my head. No, dude, this is uh this is a classic jam, man, for sure. Um and yeah, sure it's overplayed and yeah, it's a cliche pick, but I think it's overplayed at weddings and I think it's a cliche pick for a reason because it's probably one of the best love songs ever written. Um and there's been a lot of really great covers to this song too. She and him, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, did a really great cover of this song. Um but yeah, it's it's timeless. Um, it's just got those, it's, it's got the kind of lyrics and feel to it that, I mean, obviously it's transcendent, you know, it's, it was written in the sixties, you know, and it's still relevant today, you know, um, and it's hard to do that. Um, so yeah, that's number nine with a bullet, hundred percent righteous brothers fight me. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? It is, it is cheesy, but like a good grilled cheese sandwich, we need, we need that cheese. That cheese is, is, is essential. Um, I did throw on the, uh, the she and him, um, cover that you were talking, that you were talking about and holy crap, that takes the song an entirely, entirely new perspective. But if I could talk on the original, I like I almost like that sort of like old timey arrangement of it, like where you get like like the the strings. The strings are are there and they're present, but they're definitely as like a as like a backing, a backing sort of force. They're, they never sort of take the take the uh, the spotlight. Um, and then uh, you get Edgerton again. It's sort of like near like the last like two thirds of the song. I just I love whenever he comes out of that chorus and then he just takes his sweet time like this, like descending his way down. And you get sort of like his playfulness and and at the same time you get the emotion as well. Uh, but Andrew, yeah, no, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, like that is uh that it, that melody just like he the way that he sings that song it's incredible like especially when you get to like the the bridge of the song where it's just like a vocal performance for the ages um everyone talks about bill as being like the main righteous brother but like you listen to this and you're like oh wow they really were two of the greatest com- like combined um I, the only reason it didn't make my list, and like literally the only reason I didn't it didn't make my list, is because I wanted to kind of showcase more of like the the harder, more like more rock kind of power ballads. Oh yeah. Um, 
but this is one of the most beautiful songs ever made. Yeah. Um, all right, Joey, your number eight. Uh, I might get I might get slammed for this, but two number eight, man. Uh, Joe Cocker, you are so beautiful, man. Come on, you know. You know, these are easy picks, but again, this goes back. Joe Cocker is one of my favorite singers of all time. Um, if you don't listen to Joe Cocker, if you only know, like, the go fucking listen to Joe Cocker, okay? Guy's one of the greatest rock vocalists ever, hands down, period, of all time. Um, the reason why I love this song, uh, Joe's voice is always powerful in whatever he does, but there's a different kind of power in this song. Um, his voice literally breaks so many times doing this song um and uh obviously we all know joe had a, a really bad struggle with alcohol addiction um but there's a different kind of a heart-wrenching heartbreaking feel on this song that you just can't fake i don't think anybody could do the song like joe cocker did it um and it just yeah it just fucking it's still i've heard this song thousands of times and every time i hear it it still fucking breaks my heart you know what i mean it's um i mean you want to talk about a power ballad you know um again it's up there with one it's it's it, sh- it kind of teeters that like fine line between is it a power ballad or is it a love song well it's kind of both you know it's kind of like it's kind of both um i'm gonna go i'm gonna let andrew go first on this one because i think he's the he's the resident joe cocker expert of the two of us expert may not be the word but um <laughs> this is I have said this on the show multiple times. I think um, uh, Joe Cocker is a genius. He is a genius of a musician, one of the greatest blue-eyed soul singers of all time. Um, and this song is absolutely beautiful. This is absolutely a power ballad. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he he recorded this song at, with his mother in mind, which adds a whole new layer to it. Um, when you listen to it with those years and this is fantastic you're right when he just his voice breaks at the end and it just cracks it just shatters the entire song but in a good way oh yeah this is oh i love this pick yeah goosies man goosies um yeah if this this is a this is the song i think you showed people that um that proves that joe cocker is an incredible musician um why why i think this one either i think this one will go up um up and up in like quality i guess whenever i whenever i go back to like the ultimate list um but what i think what i think what brought it down so much and this is honestly just sort of more like a personal thing i heard i heard this song and the wheels of life so many times at like 2 30 and 3 in the morning at in in casino new brunswick and it just reminds me of like the end of like the end of like a long night of partying or whatever um, and it's just kind of like a like it's a very sort of like weird way to sort of uh, I guess like relax and unwind from that from that sort of time. But um, yeah, that's just that's fair. Well, we are also done. But uh, you're number seven. Uh, number seven is <clears throat> kind of a sleeper tune. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, it's it's called "It Makes No Difference" by the band, um, and it's a Rick Danko tune. Um, and I love Rick Danko. Um, and like I said before, most a lot of my favorite female vocalists are female. A lot of my favorite male vocalists are my favorite male vocalists because they kind of can't sing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that's what makes it so great. Um, and Rick Danko just has this super weird off key, like out of tune, kind of whaley, sweet, soft, beautiful sound. Um, 
and the lyrics in this song are just so great. Um, and it just, I just love this song because it's just, it's just so relatable. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a sleeper band tune, but yeah, like the first time I heard this song, um, I, it was the last waltz. I think they did it on the last waltz when I watched it and uh, I just kept going back to it. And I, every time I, comes on or i hear it somewhere i always got to crank it up but this is the song that um really introduced me into rick danko and got me into looking into rank like his his back catalog and uh super super underappreciated um not only just artist in general but a really fucking great r&b songwriter um and uh yeah if you if you don't i mean if you know the band because the weight and stuff yeah that's great but like check out the rick danko library on the base it's fucking great songwriter and uh i just love this song nice. that's kind of there's no other real special reason i just fucking love this song yeah no uh the band's fucking band's fucking unreal uh the wait uh is my favorite song to to, to play to play uh play in a crowd um and uh and like the night they drove the night they drove old dixie down is another is another great um a very little ballad. Um, I think Rick Danko has the best verse in in the wait, or at least like the yeah. one I think that everybody everybody sings. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a great it's a great choice. I like I've heard it a couple times, but haven't given it a deep dive. Sort of similar to "You Are So Beautiful." Um, but Andrew, your thoughts? Now this is really good. Um, I really like the atmosphere of this song. Like you get you get a very clear picture with this. Um, and I think the band is just like one of the greatest, like cohesive bands of all time. That's why they're called the band. Um, yeah, no, this song is great. It's just it's a little long for me, but other than that, like if that's my biggest gripe with this song, then this is a great pick. <laughs> yeah, um, all right, your number six. Coming at number six, the great, the powerful, the mythical Nina Simone, and I put a spell on you. Uh God damn it. I don't really know what else to say other than it's fucking Nina Simone, dude. Um, look, everybody's probably familiar with the Screamin' Jay Hawkins version of the song. Um, but if you don't know who Nina Simone is, I guess you could say she was a jazz vocalist. Um, but no, she was this super, super eccentric, uh, drug-addled, <laughs> crazy <laughs> diva. <laughs> um, but just one of the most unique voices uh, in music. Um, and I, I would put her right up there with with people like Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday, and um, but she's she's got a lot of a lot of people have like really really beautiful voices, but Nina Simone's voice is just hauntingly beautiful. Like it's almost scary, you know. Um, the song is supposed to be kind of a love song, um, but it's also like it's uh, it's just kind of eerie, but in a good way. Um, but yeah, I just I just, I fucking love this song. This if I ever this would be like this would be a wedding song for me. I think if I ever do, you know. Yeah. Um, if I have a, I have a head cannon now that whenever TLC was naming their album "Crazy Sexy Cool," they named it after Nina Simone. Um, because because you get that within like the first thirty seconds of what's of listening to the song. Um, I just and like you're right, like the eerie sort of like like sexy suave noir noir vibe like this is i think this is a much ver much better version um than the screaming jay hawkins one but like i love the i i love that sort of vibe of it because um she comes into that first first line it's like i put a spell on you and then goes into goes into scaff a little bit yeah. and it's just kind of like it's just the right amount of crazy um and it works <laughs> andrew 
Yeah, um, I think that this might be my favorite cover of this song um, because everyone's covered this. Everyone other mothers covered this song, but this one might be my favorite, especially when you get into that saxophone. And then she starts almost vocally in person. It's like she's like dueling with the saxophone almost. And it's just like a brilliant moment um, that I, I don't think that a lot of people know this version. And that's and that kind of sad uh, because this is fantastic. I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> uh, nice. All right. On to my 10 through 6. Uh, starting off with number 10, um, boys, I don't want to tell you too much, baby, but making love to you might drive me crazy. Uh, it is Love Bites by Def Leppard. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. Shout outs to uh, shout outs to Rob Clark, the only person from the hair metal uh, Iron Man match that isn't banned from the community. Um, but um, yeah, uh, Def Leppard is, is like they were kind of known for be- doing these more like arena rocky power ballads kind of similar in the vein of, of Molly Crew. Um my favorite part of this song is uh is Joe Elliott's work in the um in, in the chorus when he's doing those uh like about ascension of notes like as almost like the echo to the chorus. Like it's like um when it sorry um when it gets to like the love bites and then he he, he comes in with those notes. Um and yeah it's just the right amount of 80s cheese i think the 80s cheese has been kind of the kind of the coined term here of today but um andrew your thoughts uh, on this song um i'm not a giant def leopard fan to be honest with you how that, dare you <laughs> well i'm sorry um i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah i know i'm gonna i'm still gonna lock my doors anyway um i mean this song it, it, this is good i like this i like this i just i don't love it but i I get why it made your list. That's fair. Uh, enjoy. Dude, you, you could put anything on any list from hysteria. And I'd agree with you. Um, I dude, I, I spent six years working at a rock station, so I'm pretty jaded when it comes to fucking Def Leppard. I'm pretty jaded when it comes to the eighties in general, you know, usually like if I'm hearing an eighties song right now, these days, it's like I want to have my fucking mouth full of shotgun and my toe on the trigger. Um, so, so I I just have like really personal issues with with eighties music, just because like that was my life and I got paid to listen to it for six years, you know. Um, but anybody who says that Hysteria is is not a great record or like not one of the greatest albums ever made, uh, you need to fucking seriously get your life in order. Um, it's almost perfect. This was a crazy, hugely successful record, not just like monetary wise. What Mutt Lang did with this band uh, is crazy, was absolutely insane. Um, The more you listen to this record, the more you realize like, holy shit, this is a fucking monolith record. And I'm not even a Def Leppard fan, really, to be honest. Like, I'm not a huge Def Leppard fan, but is 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 like a lover of music. This record is insane. This whole record is insane. Um, but this song in specific, yeah, like you wouldn't think that a bunch of drunken teenagers from Australia would be able to like put together a cohesive thought, um, (laughs) but they kind of nailed it on this one, you know? Um, and it's a perfect, this is, it's songs like this, why the eighties are synonymous with power ballads, because like, I don't know why they did it so right, but they just did it so fucking right back then. 
you know? And I think maybe it was because like sex and drugs were probably so, you know, readily available back then. You know, everybody was on cocaine. Um, <laughs> everybody was, you know, so I don't, I don't know how much of a love song this is, or if it's just like, I don't know. I'd like, I don't know if this was written for a girlfriend. If I had to guess, it was probably written for not like for multiple strippers, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, there's a reason why, uh, why it's, it, was a, it's a, it was a Tuesday. Oh, for sure, dude. You know what I mean? They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Um, but yeah. Um, all right. On to my number nine. Uh, this borders the line between power ballad and love song, but I'll fight it. Uh, it's um, I'm the one who wants to be with you. Uh, to be with you by Mr. Big. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a very, it's another sort of like acoustic pop uh, song from from the '90s, uh, but I love the love the guitar solo in this. I think it's one of the one of the rare instances of like like sort of like slap slap acoustic. Um, we don't really get that, and you don't get that any, anymore. Um, and then uh, the harmonies that you get in the chorus uh, and just how it fills everything out. Um, the bridge and this, you know, like why, why can't we, or why be alone when we, when we can be together, baby. Um, and then uh, the key change in this as well really works uh, to go from, to go from E major to E major to G. I always found really impressive. And then to go back in because they don't really fit in, fit in the same sense music theory was. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of everything that I love about the nineties in one song. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts. Um, this song is really good. I like this a lot. Um, it there are some days though where I'm like, this is a it leans a little too much into the, the cheese of it, like the campfire kind of song. But for the most part, I really like this song. Um, to the listeners, um, if you haven't heard of this guy called um, Todd in the Shadows, he has a series called One Hit uh, One Hit Wonderland. And one of the episodes is this. It's one of his best episodes where he breaks down like literally everything about this band. And if you know the talent behind this group, you're like, damn, these guys were fantastic uh, like musicians. Um, I really like this song. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, Joey. Okay. Was this was this was this was uh, Paul Gilbert and and Billy Sheehan? Was it? Yes. Am I right? Nah? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to respond to this song by doing this. Come on, baby. Come on <laughs> over. Let me be. Dude, you can say you don't like this song all you want. If that song comes on on a bus, on a campfire, you're, you're fu- that's a bop, dude. Everybody's singing that fucking line. You don't know the rest of this song. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That one big part, you know? Come on, baby. And then there's like that weird pause. Let me be the one to. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Show you. <laughs> yeah. And then, dude, no, yeah. it's a, and then, it's, and then uh, it comes into the key change. Yeah. I get where Andrew's coming from, though, because it does. And and I'm not taking away from the song at all, Brooklyn, but like, yeah, yeah it's definitely, it's a campfire, too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it reminds oh, me of absolutely. being on the bus and going to grade seven. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, dude, it's a fucking bop, dude. Everybody knows this song. People who weren't born in the 80s know this. I think it was like 90s. Wasn't it? It was like I 90s. think it was like 91. Maybe like 91. Yeah. So it was like the end of like the, the last death rattle of hair metal, you know? But uh, no, it was a great tune, man. Come on. You know? Yes. Look, I'll sum it up with this. It is what it is. Okay? It is what it is. 
Um, all right, on to my number eight. Um, if you thought my nine and ten were both too campy and too cheesy, uh, you should leave the room now because my number eight is It Just Won't Quit by Meatloaf. <laughs> so we go to not Bad Out of Hell, but Bad Out of Hell 2. Um, his just very, very 90s um rendition i kind of i'm sort of the same same style battered of the hell battered of hell is one of my is one of my favorite albums um but i think this is an underlooked um i i think this came out as a single maybe 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 it didn't but i think this one just kind of gets overlooked in terms of meatloaf's discography um on maybe on this album in particular uh where it's i won't um i would do anything for love but i won't do that um i think this is one of jim's um jim Simon's uh best best uh best written songs, especially in the chorus, um, when it just like, um, is this a blessing or is, is it a curse? Can it get any better? Can it get any worse? Does it come with the darkness? Does it bring out the light? The contrast in that I, I think works really well. Also, um, I'm not sure if this is something that he does with every song, but I know that he does, because, and I know that he's worked with Billy, with Billy Joel, and he does the same thing in New York State of Mind, where they open and close with the same, with the, um, with the melody from the verse. And I like I like that sort of like that that intro and outro of it of it in a way. Um, and then yeah, like whenever that chorus starts, there are times like I would love to just kind of like wail and cry and feel like, is this a blessing or is it a curse? It's kind of like like hard cry. Uh, but Andrew, yo, I'm one of those people who thinks that Bad Out of Hell two is a fantastic record and it's almost as good as Bad Out of Hell. Um, I love Meatloaf and rest in peace to Jim Steinman. That man knew how to write a fucking power ballad. Um, yeah, no, this song is this song is great. Um, the, we'll, I, I, we'll we'll talk more a little about this. I don't want to go on too much spoilers, but yeah, no, this song's great. And you are muted. Oh. <laughs> me? Yep, yep, you. Well, I, let you me did. just I'll, I'll start by saying boys in every other aspect of my life I fucking hate meatloaf <laughs> um, I mean I mean the dish Brooklyn I mean the dish oh no no meatloaf is no 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 Meat, meatloaf the dish is, is great I'm, I'm, I'm more mad that you're slandering the great dish of me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't care if you some slandered music artist, but no, no, no yeah. reason, no reason to, to bring you shut your mouth into this conversation. Um, you shut your mouth. I will make you the best meatloaf you've ever had and shut um, it down. Okay. So like full honesty, I had three meatloaf songs on this list before I revised it like the fourth and fifth time. You could have an entire episode of ballads of top 10 meatloaf ballads, you know? Um, the only reason why I don't have any meatloaf songs on my list is because I knew one of us was going to have a meatloaf song on your list. Um, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, dude, I mean, what's not to love about meatloaf? Um, it's it never should have made sense. No. His whole career <laughs> never should have made sense. And I don't know why I like meatloaf, but I fucking love meatloaf. Um, but and but it goes back to what Andrew said about Jim Steinman, and Jim Steinman was a huge part, as we all know, of Meatloaf's career. I don't think you would have a Meatloaf if you did, if it wasn't for a Jim Steinman. Um, but yeah, th this particular song, um, I, I do. I grew up. My mom was a huge Meatloaf fan. I grew up on Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell Two, um, and um, 
I, I like the song that I had them, the songs that I had on my list, or I'm sure everybody probably knows what the three songs were. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of forgot about this song. Um, and then I went back and listened to it and I'm realizing now that it's, yeah, it's, it, it's up there with, with the other big three, I'm sure we're all thinking of. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I'm a big lyric guy. Always have been. Um, but nobody sings like meatloaf dude, you know? Um, and it's just, it, everything about it's perfect. It's just this big fat guy and, and you want to believe him. Cause you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he probably didn't have very much luck with the ladies. Um, or maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he was like, you know, um, but yeah, great, great. Pick. I'm rambling, but uh, great pick, dude. Great pick. Anything meatloaf is a win for me. Nice. Um, all right. On to my number seven. Uh, this is my little dip in the country, um, but it is uh, I Hope You Dance by Liam Womack. Um, so, yeah, um, I got to sing this song for um, for, uh, for a wedding, um, and I, it's a very powerful ballad that also just happens to be a love song um the strings in this are are really cool um my favorite part of this is the um is the is the backing vocals like coming on later in the song time is the wheel constant motion always rolling us along um that section gives me goosebumps every single time that i that i listen to it how um how it just kind of comes in it's just like it's like uh, like water flowing through a bridge. I know it's kind of like cheesy and cliche, cliche to say, but like when you have something that's structured in the chorus and you have something coming in on, on, underneath like that, I think it's just very impressive um, musically. And then um, her her vocal qualities um, in the in the verse is are really cool. Um, like especially whenever she goes between uh, line to line. Um, and then you go into the to the last line. Uh, it's like when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, and how she sort of fades out into that, and then it's this big explosion in the in the chorus. I always I always think of like if I was, if I were to see this live, like that's like when the lights sort of like come up from the bottom or whatever, and then you have this big sort of like you know I'd love to see like fifty thousand people having her having her arms waved uh for our audio listeners i am uh, i'm waving my hands in the air like i just don't he's done that multiple times folks i have done that today multiple times um andrew um <clears throat> i love this song i love this song to death i think the song is the perfect balance of like inspirational cheese um combined with absolutely beautiful vocals and instrumentation it's just one of those things that it kind of teeters on the fence of power ballad for me. Um, but I, this is still a great, fantastic song and I'm happy that you have it on your list. Yeah. Uh, Joey, I'm going to apologize for what I'm about to say. Cause oh, no. this is a beautiful song that I fucking love to hate. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. First thing, Brooklyn, um, I've emceed. I don't know. Too many weddings in my day. Okay, every fucking wedding I've ever been to, this is the song, dude. And if it's not this song, it's fucking amazed by Lone Star. <laughs> and if you ask me, this is just the early '90s version of "Amazed" by Lone Star. Is what it is. It's all. It is. I've heard this song so many times, and I've seen so many fucking dumb, drunken bridesmaids <laughs> crying and like. <laughs> spilling their vodka cranberry you know and like crying in their cake 
shouting, this is my up, song. Yeah, throwing up behind the tent, the mascara's running, and they got puked down the side of their mouth and shit. And they're just like, I hope you dance. And like, you're a fucking train wreck. So the song is beautiful. The memories that I have associated <laughs> yeah. with this song are some of the worst. Like, it's nightmare fuel to me. So that's all I have to say about Leanne Womack. Oh, I have to attend three weddings this year. I'm going to watch out for oh, that. Oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's go on to my number six. Uh, and this is uh, – we're dipping back into Stan Rogers again. Uh, and it is down the road. So um, I talked about uh, Stan Rogers a couple weeks ago on best albums of the 70s. Um, and I talked about how, how this song is my favorite uh, finger, uh, finger style song or finger, yeah, someone's on guitar song, I guess, in a way. Um, but a family show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but no, just that, that intro. And I think Stan Rogers is the best 12 culture guitar player um, by far. And just how intricate it is. Um, how he's able to fit in that fit in that melody while just well just kind of kind of like thumb like like thumbing the top note or whatever um and uh he just he just repeats that on loop through the through the entirety of the song um that opening line sun is rising high burning into the day i will say goodbye i'll be i'll be going away i love the um I love the sort of I love the, the the nature of the the nature of the song, um, and, and it offers a lot of a lot of closure. Um, I think also the like the, this particular recording of it, um, this being live. I think this was actually one of the last songs that he played um, before before his passing away, um, or like yeah, because I, um, I know it was a song because I know on there's like a YouTube video of him playing the song. He's like where I, I was hesitant to it, he was hesitant to play it because it was written by because it was written by somebody else. Um, but then just but then just crushes this. Um I love whenever the crowd comes in and they and they give a and they give their part. Um and it's just uh the definitely the saddest song I think on, on my list. Um Andrew, your thoughts. Brooklyn. I know that you love Stan Rogers. And I know that he we we all have that one person that's going to appear on our list no matter what the list is. Uh, and I think that this song is absolutely beautiful. I think that this recording is fantastic. I think that I don't think I will ever hear a version of this song that will be as good as this. To me, it's just not a power ballad. Okay. I just don't think it's a power ballad. Um, I think it's fantastic. I just it just would not come to, uh, to my list because of that reason. Okay, uh, Joey. Uh, you know me, dude. I've always been a promoter of East Coast music. <clears throat> So anytime I see a Stan Rogers or uh, Gene McClellan or a Stop and Tom or, um, you, you know what I mean? Like Stan Rogers, he's a Canadian institution, 100% for sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure he invented the neck beard, but that's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, no, dude, this is, um, I I would have no qualms with putting this. This I, I would say this is an East Coast kitchen party power ballot. I think that would be the way maybe to kind of describe it. You know what I mean? It's one of those songs that, yeah, just kind of teeters on that brink between like a power ballad and a love song. But I mean, it is a power ballad in its own kind of a right. Um, but I just salute anybody that who knows who fucking Stan Rogers is for one thing. Um, so I'm going to give you a, a kudos for that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, anybody who has ever listened to Stan Rogers or follows Stan Rogers career. Um, yeah. Very, very prolific. 
Um, and I very underappreciate it. I mean, in his own right, I mean, in his hometown for sure. And in the Maritimes and East coast of Canada. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's great to see stuff like this because, um, a lot of people unfortunately don't know who Stan Rogers is, um, and really should, um, really, really should. I remember coming into this community and I was talking to, I don't know, I think it was, it's, I think it was just somebody from Calgary. Um, and I, and I was like, Hey, have you ever heard of the song? Like 45 years? No. And like, do you know who it's by? Like, like Stan Rogers, and they're like, "Oh, I've never, I've never, never heard of them before." It's like, like it's it's just really weird. Like in the Maritimes, he is a megastar, not yeah. a megastar, but yeah. yeah, but like he has Stan Fest. But then you even go to like fucking Quebec, and they're like, like, Ooh? like who, who, who yeah. is this? Who is what? Stan Rogers? You get five or six Keats into those people and the Barrett's privateers come on. They're like, Oh, I fucking yeah. love Stan Ryder. Thank yeah. you, man. No, but uh, 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 Ron Hines was the other person I was trying to think of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, great, great pick, man. And again, kudos for, for showing some love to Stan Rogers. Nice. Um, all right. Andrew, your number five. Let me just say that this show has opened my eyes to what it's like to be in America, uh, America versus Canada, um, and hearing all of these names I've never heard of before. Um, so my number five uh, is a song by Snow Patrol, um, and it's a song called "Run." This song is—I think the first time I ever heard it, I heard like a college classmate of mine covering it at like karaoke or something like that. And I immediately fell in love with the song. I immediately looked it up. I immediately like bought the the song, bought the album. Um, it's it is so beautiful. Just the lyrics are so detailed that it creates this amazing like atmosphere in this world. Um, and I think that just like the build to that chorus is so perfect and that chorus absolutely hits you in the stomach uh with it just saying light up light up um we don't have time for that um and it's just about these this, this connection between these two people and one of them is obviously very hurt um and then you get to that bridge where it you just get this great guitar coming in just like this fuzzy, raucous guitar. And then you get another guitar layered on top of that, which is this beautiful, soaring, epic guitar line. And it's just the, the duality of these two guitars playing over each other. It's incredible. And then it adds the one thing that I'm a giant sucker for. It adds bells. It starts playing bells, and it just resonating throughout that chorus. It is an epic, epic ballad that from a band that I don't think enough people know other than the song Chasing Cars. Like, guys, check out Snow Patrol. They're a beautiful band. And this is probably their apex. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, great pick, dude. Um, I uh, This is another one of those uh, songs that um, just kind of fell off my radar. Um, and I, it's kind of one of those songs, like, I think a lot of people hear and they're like, Oh, I like that. But then they never really, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I, they had some radio success, I think with this and, and Jason cars, I think too. Right. But, uh, I, I get some kind of vibes on this song for sure. It's kind of got like, a, I think they're, are they Irish? 
I believe they're e- they're either Irish or Scottish. Yeah, I can't Scottish. remember. So do you guys know who Neil Finn is? Yes. Yeah. So I kind of get like a Neil Finney kind of a vibe, like you know, or like um, not like with the vocal quality, but like the lyric quality, kind of like a Damien yeah. Ricey kind of a. Oh, oh like, my god, Damien Rice just maybe Coldplay in a way, you know, that kind like of Coldplay before Coldplay. Yeah, yeah, early, early Coldplay, like the good Coldplay, not like yeah, Coldplay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not be- like before Kabbalah or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is a great sign. It's another one I had to go back and kind of re-listen to. Um, to kind of appreciate it Um, because it was always and I and I don't mean this in a bad way but it was always just kind of one of those like background noise kind of songs for me like Mm -hmm. I was like oh it's a good song but I never really like paid attention to it Um, but when you do go back and listen to it yeah it's a fucking beautiful song man it's got great lyrics to it yeah it's atmospheric as fuck Um, so I'll have to go back and check out this record to see what it's what the rest of it's all about yeah the construction of it is just incredible yeah Yeah, um yeah, no, this is, this is a really cool song. Um, I love the the bass line coming out of the chorus. Um, it just like it's just this very sort of thick, con- thick constant throughout it. Um, the string, the, the strings in the chorus are probably my probably what my like favorite aspect of it in general. Um, but I think Joey kind of hit, hit the hit the nail right on the head. This is a perfect background song, or as I would say here, this is a really good shed song. Uh, but it does not be feeling all right uh, by Joe Cocker, which is ultimately <laughs> the best shed song. Um, but, uh, Joey, your number five, number five. Okay. Uh, number five, I had, um, I don't know if you guys know who this dude is, but, um, it's Paolo Nutini and no other way. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people would know who he is, but if you do, then you'll get it, uh, instantly. Uh, so he's an Irish blue eyed R and B kind of soul, um, dude. And this song is holy shit. Um, if you like Joe Cocker. Check out fucking Paolo Nutini, dude. Um, this kid stepped on the scene when he was like 15, 16 years old and put up this fucking crazy record called New Shoes, I think. Um, really cool story yep. to this dude. His grandfather was like an Irish, kind of like a lounge singer, folk singer dude, and like kind of taught him how to... Anyway, that's kind of... But um, this particular song is like, holy shit. Um, I really don't have a way to describe this song. Um it's kind of like you have to listen to it. And if you like it, then you're really going to like it. And if um, it's very orchestral. Um, but yeah, it's it's got this classic kind of almost kind of like a, like an Otis Redding, Sam Cooke orchestration thing to it. And the kid just fucking belts it. Uh, and it just it's a it's a heart wrencher for sure. Um, I heard this song. I had to li- I listened to it. I'm, I'm rarely like a repeat guy. Um, but I had to listen to the song on repeat like five, six times. This was like, holy shit, this is good. Um, so yeah, uh, fucking Palomatini, check him out if you don't know who he is. Nice. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never heard of these guys before, or, or never heard of them before. Um, so I threw it on whenever you're talking about it, um, and I fucking love it. Um, I have, I've, I said, I said on the show before, I am like, I'm a six eight slush. I love, I love that. <laughs> Um, I love that sort. I love that sort of like waltzy sort of sort of thing. Um, the thing that I love about his voice, I love the like the wispy sort of trill that you get off of off the end of like every line, every line that he has. I think that gives him. I think that's the right sort of like characteristic to have for this kind of song. Um, but yeah, really, really cool choice, um, Andrew. I remember when Paolo Nutini dropped New Shoes because I w- I remember watching VH1 at the time and that him being like one of those artists to watch and in America just going nowhere. 
Um, but yeah, this is a guy that his vocal timbre is incredible. Like the color in his voice, it's so good. It it does remind me of Otis Redding a lot, actually. Um, and you're right. This is like a Stax record, kind of like a Stax record meets Van Morrison to me. Yeah. yeah. Like this is this is amazing. And honestly, it's one of those first time listens for me. If I feel like if I had heard this, like. Uh, a longer time ago, or I was more familiar with the song, this would have easily climbed up my list. Okay. Um, all right, on to my number five. Uh, and we go into the pop punk corner again. Um, we are going to Fall Out Boy this time uh, with uh, What a Catch, Donnie. Um, so this, I, or I kind of, I had, I was familiar with the song whenever we did the Fall Boy episode of playlist, um, but then I think I think Boatman had it really high up on, on his one on his, and I was like, all right, cool. I I, I like this, but I'm going to give it a little more a little more thought. Um, and this song is just really fucking cool. Um, I, I was I was torn between uh, Fall Boy and actually Very Good Ladies uh, for for the spot, um, only for the reason because I kind of put Patrick Stump and Brian Wilson or not Brian Wilson, uh, Stephen Page. Um, Brian Wilson was a song that I that that, that I that I considered, um, but they but they're they're really similar. Like there's a lot of times I wish they would kind of get together and do a duet. Um, the the lyric in this song that that gets me every time. Um, they say the captain goes down with the ship. So when the world ends, will God go down with this? Um, there's just so much so much angst in that. Um, and then um, like to get into sort of one of the more vocal qualities of the song, um, you get into the chorus before they, the chorus before they bring in everybody for like the, the loop of all their, all their other songs where they bring in like Elvis Costello and, uh, and Brendan Uri. And like, I think there was somebody from like Cobra Starship um, and somebody else. Um, oh, and uh, Jim Class Heroes, that guy. Um, but um, whenever, um, whenever Patrick hits that note, that last note in that chorus, and he just, and he just like holds on to it and puts everything until he, until he can't wrote, until he can't sing that note anymore. Um, and um, I think RJ mentioned it on the playlist episode um, where it's really ballsy to open with like, with essentially your line in the chorus um, and the line itself, what a catch Donnie is really repeated, but it never loses wear anytime that you hear us. I think it's just one of the best licks, I guess you would say. Um, but Andrew, your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> here we go. Um, I like Fallout Boy. This song has never worked for me, though. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I think maybe I just feel that it gets a little monotonous, um, even with the dynamics. But um, I'm not going to fault you for putting this on your list. It, it's just one that just doesn't resonate with me for some reason. Um, that's fair. Uh, Joey? Uh, <clears throat> I have a seething hatred of Fall Out Boy, not because oh. they're a bad band. I just fucking hate Pete Wentz. Um, <laughs> I had a really, really bad experience with Pete Wentz. Pete Wentz used to play in this hardcore band called Arma Angelus back in the day, and uh, I won't get into too much detail, but Pete Wentz is a fucking douchebag. Um, 
So yeah, I don't. I, I have to. I kind of disregarded this whole band. Um, I I I I, broke, I feel so bad, dude. I feel like such an asshole right now because um, I didn't even listen to the song because I fucking hate Pete Wentz. I hate Pete Wentz so much that I just can't. But I I can't be associated with Follow Boy because Pete Wentz is in the band. Um, but uh, I'm sure it's great because Brooklyn's got good taste. Um, but yeah. I haven't listened to the song, and I really want to, but. Um, I'll never forgive myself if I do. So <laughs> I will. I I will make a parody uh, parody of the backing track of this, so that you can at least appreciate the musicalness, <laughs> but you don't get okay. any of the lyrics that Pete Wentz wrote. Um, okay, thank we'll you. Do, thank you. Yeah, you know, we'll just do a, a Pete Wentz um, octomy, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, we'll make up a new um, medical term. Um, Andrew, you're right. number four. Uh, my number four is one that was my number one for a while, and then it just kind of kept battling and battling, and I think it's still great. But um, it's uh, one of the best songs of the 80s, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, I know that the 80s, you know. But um, it's uh, Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. Just the production on this song alone is incredible. Just like... Where the bass line sits throughout the entire song, it's perfect. The way those guitars come in and they scream ever so lightly in the back, perfect. The vocals, just where they are in the mix, perfect. And just the, the delivery, the, the, the sensualness that's kind of oozing out of the vocals. Um, it's... It, it is a, a sound that is incredible. Plus, lyrically, it's really cool. Like, some of the rhymes uh, that they pull off in here. Um, it's, it's one of those songs that if you're out, like, having a long car ride and it's at night and it's, like, the perfect, like, overcast almost where it's a little cloudy but it's not very dark, it is the perfect song for that atmosphere. Or... You know, just if you're having a, a good night in general, this song is, it's an incredible sound with fantastic vocals, fantastic instrumentation, and amazing production. Uh, Joey. Yeah, dude. Um, this is another one of those songs that you can say you don't like it all you want, but when it comes on the radio, you're fucking singing along to it, dude. There's a reason oh, that chorus? Why, <laughs> there's a reason why it was a hit for these guys, because it's a fucking good, you know what I mean? good shit don't float you know what i'm trying to say um but yeah no it's uh it's definitely got that that definitely like overly washed out um really noise gated bass uh, uh you know you know what i'm saying like that typical 80s kind of like overly produced like why would you do four overdubs in a bass part dude um yeah but uh yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's a great tune man um i always think of the video with the dude in the fucking with the with the in the convertible you know Thing it is with the top down and he's just like strolling through the mountains even though he's english or something um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure they're i think they're english but yeah no it's like it's one of those things where it invokes a time and a place and um i said it before like the 80s for whatever it is i don't know what they were doing um but they got it so right so they got it so, uh, was it an early 90s for this or was it 91 i think it was, it was like, the 80s like yeah, yeah 80s. late 80s uh re released in 1985 Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's just got that. Um, yeah. It's 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 a great pick, man, and it's a classic '80s jam. Um, 
one hit wonder for sure. I don't think Mr. Mr. had another hit after this. I don't think as far I as I know, believe nothing so. comes, nothing comes to mind, but man, that's, that's all you needed back then. You know, yeah. one good tune. Um, so I believe the first time that I heard the song, and I'm and I'm probably dating myself with this. Um, I heard this on the trailer for Mighty Joe Young, and Mighty, and, and it was the trailer for Mighty Joe Young that was behind Doug the movie. Um, I don't know why I know that memory that specific, um, but that's where I yeah, that's where I remember this song. Um, my favorite part of this song um is again that baseline throughout um just it keeps that it's quick paced but it works for the for the overall slowness of the song but i love how the synth uh kind of sets up um th the next line that he's that, that he's gonna say and it kind of um it leads you into like where he is ultimately gonna go with it um but yeah great great pick um it's no but um yeah definitely better than mighty joe young or me joe young <laughs> i almost said the wrong thing again yeah, I might have Joe Young, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, that's the with the big gorilla or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, um, Andrew, before you uh, before you lose a lung and laughter, um, your number. Uh... Oh no, sorry, yep. sorry, Joey, your number three. Oh my number three. Yes. Uh, okay, so number three for me Four. was is a Butch Four, Walker. Sorry. Is my it three? No, I, I messed I messed up. I, I was looking at Andrew's thing. And, oh, okay. Uh, so this is um yeah this is the tune that I had to uh, uh skip earlier. Um this is Bonnie Raitt, man. I can't make you love me. Um Bonnie Raitt, one of my probably one of my favorite singers of all time, dude. Um there I have a tie for this it was either going to be this song or Love Has No Pride. Um I kind of had the two of them kind of on par. Um but I just I got a personal reason for this song. My fucking mom loves this song. Um, you know what I mean? And I just, um, I remember the first time I hearing it, I was super young. I probably would have been like maybe four or five or something like that. And it was kind of one of those songs. It was like the first time I kind of understood what sadness was, if that kind of makes sense. Um, I just think may, and I don't know, maybe like younger people can't, but this is just one of those songs that I, I just resonate with. I don't know why. Um, but it just, um, it's just so relatable. Um, and I think as you know, I think everybody's been there. We, I think everybody's been in one of those shitty relationships where it's like, oh, dude, I want this to fucking work. Um, so this is like a perfect breakup song, you know? Um, but yeah, such a, such a fucking great song, dude. Um, there, and there's another, there's a cover of this version that Justin Vernon from Bonnie Vare actually does too. Yes. And wow, dude. Um, so that I was like, oh, I don't know if I should put Bonnie in there or do I put Bone in there? Uh, but, um, yeah, just another one of my favorite songs just for lyrical content, man. It's just, it's, there's no, it's just, it's, it's just perfectly written, man. It's a perfectly written fucking love song. Um, and you can, you can feel it, man. Like it's just, there's vibe all over this and Bonnie rates the king of that shit, man. Um, if you do have a chance, if you've never heard this song before, the album version's great. Listen to Bonnie Raitt do it anywhere, at any time, any decade, live, and this song will fucking make you cry. Um, she's incredible. She's just absolutely fucking incredible. I love Bonnie Raitt, everything she's ever done. Um, but yeah, and that I'm rambling, but yeah, I fucking love this song. Um, I want to add on to the Bonnie Bear bit because he, at the tail end of the song, he adds, um, he incorporates love in the nick of time as well. Ah, oh, just yeah. amazing, an amazing cover. But 
Um, yeah, this song is, <coughs> it's one of those, the, my cry songs. Like if I hear it, I'll like start welling up. Um, because the emotion in this song, it, it's one of the greatest recordings of a vocalist I've ever heard because the way that she delivers this song, it is so, so sincere. Um, and it, the way that she does it, it puts you in a spot where you immediately remember another moment in your life that's similar, whether it be in a relationship that you're already in, a relationship that you wanted, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's such an amazing performance um, with just a brilliantly crafted set of, let of uh, I can't even speak, I'm so emotional, <laughs> um, brilliant set of lyrics, and it's, it's just a heart tugger. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is really cool. Um, in terms of in terms of the lyrics, like I love whenever she get, comes into that chorus, like and like you like she just welts out like I can't I can't make you love me. Um, and I'll be sort of fun to come back to. Um, what I like about the music of this is that everything is pretty soft, but then um, the piano is this really nice accent, and it's like I like they are there's definitely like. Um, um and like not a not an arpe not an arpeggio not uh not a yeah I guess it'd be like staccato I guess but not really not really like super like crisp or hot but it's just like it's it's just it's very heavy um as opposed to everything else and I find that add that adds some like some range to the song um but very uh very good choice both of you um on to my number on my number four and uh. We're gonna go back to acoustic '90s power ballads with extreme, um, and more than words. Um, so back when I was a little, when I was a wee little boy, I used to think the song was by Eric Clapton. Um, and then I was like, I was like, what is what what is extreme? I don't want to hear the extreme version of more than words. I just want to hear more than words. And then I was like, oh, extreme is the name of the band. Um, go. Go check out. Um, there's a guy, a gentleman on, on YouTube by the name of Su, uh, Sung Ha Jung. Um, he's a Korean fingerstyle guitar player. Guitar guitar player. Um, but he did this song uh, when he was like 10 years old and just nails it out of out of the park. Um, and I think it's like that arrangement combined with this. Um, the harmonies in this are great. I always love whenever you can add in lower harmony. I, I think that just offers so much more support as as opposed to to doing the like the the higher harmony. Um, I also like I find whenever I'm playing this song, I just never want it to end. I think it's one of the greatest greatest rhythm, rhythm sections um, for this for the style because um, and like especially whenever you get to that ending because they take. They take so long, so long to do it. Um, and again, it's sort of another, it's another like stripped down approach to um, to an emotional song. Um, but they're my cup of tea. Um, Andrew. Yeah, uh, some of you may have heard it softly playing in the background because I forgot to mute myself as I was listening to it again. Um, <laughs> but... There's a reason that this is one of those songs that, like, when people think power ballads, this is one of the first ones they think of. It's so simple, but, like, in the best way possible, because it really brings out the emotion. Um, and that melody, plus, like, the like the way that the vocals are layered just perfectly, it's a very sweet and sincere song. Um, yeah, no, this is a, this is a great, 
great song. Oh, you muted again. <laughs> yeah, no, if there, there's no other way they could have done this song, you know, um, I, the, the, I think the great thing about this song is that it's, it's a very powerful song, but there's not a whole lot of power behind it. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean? It's just, it's Gary Sharon and Nuno Betancourt. And I think that's it. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody else plays on this song. Um, and it's not overly produced. Um, it, they just went in a little bit of reverb, uh, you know, a washburn acoustic and fucking Gary Sharon slick back the fucking hairdo and just fucking went for it. You know, <laughs> um, uh, this, this is, this is one of those records that, um, I wasn't like big into the, that, that whole like scene back then, like that late, late eighties, early, early nineties, like that weird shift, but porno graffiti, um, really, really interesting album. Um, uh, it kind of like narrowed the bridge between like the end of that whole fucking hair metal let's party shit. And it kind of showed that like, yeah, these dudes are like long haired fucking party, but like they write good songs and they're fucking talented. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's this sweetness to this song. It did. I didn't have it on the list only because it's same using for meatloaf. I knew somebody was going to have it on there uh, and was probably going to have a better reason for having it on their list than I would. Um, yeah. I don't really think there's, <laughs> this is maybe a loaded statement. I don't think there's really a need to justify why this song is a great power ballad. Um, I think everybody just kind of knows. Um, it's, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, you can hear it. You, you're not going to be angry because somebody picked it because you're like, yeah, of course it's going to be on there. It's fucking more than words, you know? Um, plus, Jack Black doing this. Thank right? you. Thank you for bringing that up. I was going to bring wow. that up, but I didn't want to. You know, for something he was supposed to be making fun of, it's like, dude, you shit the bed hard on that. I was like, you're making me cry, Jack Black, you know? Um, but yeah, no, great pick, Brooklyn. I knew somebody was going to have it on there, so I'm glad somebody put it on the list. Nice. Um, all right, Andrew, your number three. Um, look, we all know that Meatloaf is fantastic. We talked about how Meatloaf is fantastic. Um, and for a top ten, uh, for a top ten list, um, you know, being three out of ten ain't bad. For <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Um, you have no idea how long I worked on that joke. Um, <laughs> Let's give it up for Andrew, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll be in Vegas next week if you want to see me. Um, this is just we we talked about how great Meatloaf is with these ballads, and especially Jim Steinman. Um, just the way that he like crafted these, the the imagery in this song is phenomenal. Like from the lyrics and the the vocal performance. Uh, one of my favorite sections actually is um, he goes, I know you're looking for a ruby in a mountain of rocks, but there ain't no Coupe de Ville hiding at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. That line is so, so great and brilliant. Um, and there's just so much emotion delivered into the epic instrumentation of it. The, it this almost like rock operatic uh, like power and slight cheese to it. I really, apparently I really like slight cheese in my power ballads. Um, but th this song is arguably my favorite song off of Bad Out of Hell. Um, and it's my favorite meatloaf song, uh, probably in general. Um, yeah, this song is, check it out if you haven't, but I'm sure you have already. 
Uh, Joey. Dude, um, when you open a song with Baby We Could Talk All Night, but it ain't getting us nowhere, come on, mm-hmm. dude. You know what I mean? You didn't even finish a sentence barely, and you're like, holy shit, this dude. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, we've already talked about meatloaf, so I won't, I won't like fangirl over meatloaf very much more. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm a big lyrics guy. Um, the chorus in this song, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I want you, I need you. There ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. <laughs> Brooklyn's doing it right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? it's just, it's so good. Um, you've just fucking nailed it you know like everybody's felt that you know um but uh, it's almost better when you see the video for this too um because it kind of makes you less sad because you're you're looking at meatloaf you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm trying to say because it's so sad (laughs) you're almost i'm so happy that it was meatloaf that did it because if it was like fucking billy eilish or something i'd probably shoot myself You know what I mean? But it's yeah, this is a yeah, perfect yeah. this is a perfect power ballad, man. Yeah. It's um and I was playing it like I was going through the list with my with my fiance and she was like making fun of me because she's like, What I was like, it's fucking it's meatloaf. She's like, Are you serious? She's like Paradise by the Dashboard Light Guy. I'm like, Yeah, fucking Paradise by the Dashboard Light Guy, Absolutely. fucking meatloaf. Absolutely like, paradise. I'm like, by the dashboard she's like, Well, guy. how come you're putting this in the list? I'm like, because it's fucking meatloaf, it's the greatest, <laughs> it's the greatest ever. But uh, yeah, this would this would have probably been number one for me. Um, it doesn't get much better than two out of three ain't bad in my book. Um, when it comes to a power ballad, a uh, pretty perfect, pretty fucking perfect song. Ah, uh, yeah, no, this song, this song is unreal. Um, uh, this song, or this album, got a lot of play. Or this was in my parents' car uh, growing up. Um, so, um, yeah, my favorite tidbit of this, of this song, um, is actually, uh, there's a one section of the baseline in the chorus and it's actually whenever it's like, uh, don't be sad. Um, and then it's whenever meatloaf is saying that last line of like two out of three, eight bad. And then the baseline is doing this little descending, like do, 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 do. And it's so intricate, but it sucks that it kind of just gets lost in the last line. Um, but yeah, next time you're listening, to, let's listen to it. Kind of listen, kind of have them like in separate planes. Like if you ever play piano, like think of it as like your right hand and your left hand, and then and then the awesomeness whenever they come, whenever they come together. But um, yeah, uh, we are on to Joey for your number three. Number three is uh, my man, my dude, fucking Butch Walker. Um, best thing that you never had. Um, God damn it. Um, I think the last episode that we did, dude, I went heavy on the on the Butch Walker. We went, I went really heavy on Butch Walker. Um, this is, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's 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 kind of like a it's kind of like a fuck you song, really. So I don't know if it's like a I don't know if it's like a ballad. I mean, it's ballady esque, but like when you listen to it, it's like this this dude's pissed. Like this dude, <laughs> um, I just love Butch Walker, dude, and I just kind of. I, I didn't get into him until maybe three or four years ago. And I've just been like super hard on the Butch Walker tr- train. Um, and I knew I, ha- I was going to have at least one Butch song um, on this list. And it, and I kind of went through and yeah, there's, there's this song. Um, and then there's another one. Um, shit. Uh, now I'm having a fucking brain. F- I'm not even on edibles. Uh, I know. Right. Uh, anyway, it didn't matter. But anyway, um, 
this if if you haven't heard this song, I kind of put this song on the list specific for the reason like if somebody was to hear it, I'm like who the fuck is Butch Walker? Um, yeah, just go listen to Butch Walker. Um, yeah, fucking great tune, fantastic tune. Yeah, uh, no, you mentioned these. You mentioned him on on your episode of Jam Session, um, and he's and he's perfect. I think he's perfect for this for this community in particular. I kind of think he kind of hits hits a lot of things that people people like. Um, uh, for for the for the brief amount that I have listened to the song, I love again. It's a, it's a thing that I love in songs. But when they take the bottom out of out, when they take the bottom out of a out of a chorus or whatever, um, and then like when he just belts out that that line, the best thing the best thing you never had, um, and then it just and then it just cuts cuts right back in. I think it just shows really good arrangement and uh, and how spacing out spacing out sections of your song can 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 work and letting your song breathe. Um, Andrew. Yeah, so you said, um, question, you said that you put this on the list mainly for the people who are like, who the fuck is Book Walt, uh, Butch Walker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. I was one of those people, and oh, uh, yeah, you right. got me. You got me. Um, Butch Walker. Yeah, no, I'm going to listen to more of him because this sounds incredible. Um, it, I really kind of like the, the, the kind of, I don't want to call it a pissiness, but like that that anger that's like just seething through the song i it's just so good it's so pure and it's so raw um this song yeah. is fantastic uh i i'm going to listen to more of him it's the auditory equivalent of fuck you money do you know what i mean <laughs> yes when you're like yeah you know mm-hmm. eat it um all right on to my number three um and we're going to journey bust we are not going to the song that you all think. Uh, we are going to, I think, I would, would people would say think of as for a second best song, perhaps, uh, and faithfully. Um, so, um, I first heard this uh, on an episode of Glee. Um, so, uh, so that's don't ruin this for us, Gene. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, heard 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 this for for the first time on a Glee episode, and then and then rechecked rechecked it out. Um, and I think this is the best usage of Steve Perry's vocals with everything that was going on in the eighties. I know I've said in the past that like eighties is the hardest decade for me to get into, but I think that they're ultimately just like they're they're hyperbolic or not hyperbolic, but like they're over exaggerating certain things of the song, especially like when you get into like that, again, another epic guitar solo in the end. Um, probably the line that, that, that gets me every time or gets me, um, uh, gets, um, two strangers learn to fall in love again. I get the joy of read of, of rediscovering you. Um, I kind of love the, like the, 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 how you can play that off as like a as as like a duet or whatever, um, but yeah, Steve Perry uh, is an incredible vocalist of the '80s, and I think this is his best song, maybe other than um, uh, two worlds apart or separate worlds, I guess, or separate ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Andrew, yeah, separate ways might be my favorite Journey song. Um, I almost put Open Arms on my list. Um, it was very close to just missed the cut, which is weird because aside from, um, separate ways, faithfully and, um, open arms, I'm not really much of a big journey fan. Um, I respect them. 
I think that they're really talented. I've just, I just could never get into them the same way other people could. But Faithfully is a dope song. Uh, probably, you're right, Steve Perry's best vocal performance. Um, and a really great pick. Yeah. Um, Joey? It's funny you should mention you're not a Journey fan, because you know who else wasn't a Journey fan at one point? Neil Sean of Journey. Um, <laughs> when Steve Perry joined the band, uh, he was totally against it. He was like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, he's like, dude, I play with I play with fucking Santana. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? But um, then he heard the dude sing, and he was like, I don't care what I got to fucking do. This dude is going to be in my band. Um Dude, there's there's a reason why Journey is you know pushing fucking seventy and they're still up there in their fucking leather pants. Um, if if I was in Journey, um, I would definitely want to be still touring around the world playing those songs. You know, um, and like it's like Brooklyn said earlier with the lyrics in it. I think my favorite lyric from this song is um, uh, "Life of a music man ain't always what it's supposed to be." Mm-hmm. Um, but oh girl, you stand by me. I'm forever yours. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, this dude went through some shit. You could hear it like this wasn't just writing a love song for the sake of fucking writing a love song. This was written, uh, you know, hung over on a fucking tour bus with a bunch of fucking sweaty Italian dudes that smelled like pep and shed and stripper, you know, and you know what I mean? With a pen and a pad. And he wrote this shit and fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's a real, it's a real fucking, this came from a real place. Which I think is why it resonates with so many people, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Steve Perry. This is a really cliche thing to say, but he could be a fucking. He could sing the phone book, dude, um, and people would be into it, you know. Um, unfortunately, I guess he lost his voice. I guess he. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I guess he's yeah. Which is, I kind of makes sense, right? You can't be belting yeah. that shit out for fucking twenty years and then just be like, okay, you know. Um, but yeah, no great pick and I'm not surprised it made anybody's list. So good pick. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, Andrew, your number two, my top two are two of my favorite songs of all time. Um, if you ask me to make a top 50 list, these two would automatically be in there somewhere. Uh, so I had a hard time deciding between the two of them, but, uh, my number two is by a band that I think, you know, doesn't get enough credit for being a really great band. Um, and that's Crowded House. Um, the song I picked was Don't Dream It's Over. So. Hmm? Oh, no, I'm just saying, yeah, okay. Oh. A little Crowded House, a little Canadian action. Okay, right now. Um, yeah, so just the moment that you hear those opening chords from just like these gleaming guitars from this electric guitar, I'm already hooked. It is, and then the bass comes in, do 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 do, and it just slides right into the vocals and the melody. Ugh, the craftsmanship of the song is amazing, and um, I'm blanking on the lead vocalist's name. Neil Finn, yeah, Neil Finn. Oh God, that's why I'm an idiot. Um, Neil Finn is just giving an electric performance uh, in this song, uh, just like. The opening lines, too. There is freedom within, there is freedom without. Try to catch the deluge in a paper cup. Oh, it's just so great. Um, and then you get to that chorus 
where it is just one of those moments where if you are in an arena and they are playing this song, I would bet money that the entire arena starts singing along and it creates this wonderful wall of sound. It's one of the most ear-grabbing choruses of all time um, in, in just a perfectly produced song that is just really hopeful, uh, really, it really grabs at your heartstrings um, with the hope that it's bringing. And um, yeah, I think this is one of those songs that is just incredible. Uh, Joey. I got to correct myself because I think I said Canadian. I was like, oh, Canadian band. But I, I got them fucking, is it Firehouse I got them mixed up with? Uh, lighthouse, 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 lighthouse. Yeah, let me just, yeah, let me correct myself before I get fucking canceled in the comments. Say, Who the fuck is this guy talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah, man, no, great. We talked about Neil Finn earlier, man, with uh, Snow Patrol, remember? Right, like the, kind of the vibey thing. Yeah, um, great record. I am familiar with um, they had that one huge record. Um, I don't know why this kind of didn't really, I just didn't really follow my radar. I don't know why, maybe, um. But yeah, great fucking great tune, dude. And Neil Finn is, uh, dude, he's. I think he was with. Am I wrong? Was he? Is he in Fleetwood Mac now? Is he in Fleetwood Mac now? Or is it the Eagles? Uh, no, uh, Vince Gill is in the Eagles. Um, or he, um, he was the most recent addition. Neil Flynn recently joined. Not the American actor Neil Flynn. Um, although he is a great actor. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's in. Uh, I think he's in Fleetwood Mac now. I think I think it's him and um ah oh, fuck uh uh, t- uh Mike Mike uh, from uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, not uh Mike Campbell Mike Campbell yeah I was Mike, Neil Mike Finn Campbell. to replace Lindsey Buckingham and yeah. Fleetwood Mac yeah 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 um so yeah so I mean dude yeah come on Neil Finn um he what what was that one song he had I think it was Fall at Your Feet I think was like his big um breakouts yeah um I think I so. Think it, I think he's one. He was a, one of those dudes that was like a behind the scenes kind of guy. I think he has a lot of um, in his catalog as far as for like songwriting credits and a lot of other people's tunes. Um, mm-hmm. Big studio. I think that whole band. I know they were brothers. I think they were like a bunch of studio musicians. If I'm, I think I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, great pick, dude. Great song. Um, I'm just yeah. I uh, I, I should have probably. What's not skip? What's the other thing? Scratch. Scratch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. No, Crowded House. Now it's a great tune. Great tune, dude. Um, all right. I want to be the grumpy person at the bot at the bottom of the screen. Oh god. So let's let's go back to the year 1998. A little Brooklyn Vale would have been driving with would have been driving with his father. Um, as as we would make our as as we would make our trip to to East 4LT Daycare Center. And I believe Don't Dream is was Don't Dream It's Over was played every single time that I went into town. And then Saturday mornings, whenever they did 80s at eight. It got double time because they had to hammer home that the '80s was the only good decade um, in that time. Great song, but yeah, similar to how uh, Joey feels about "I Help You Dance." Literally the yeah. exact same thing. Fair, fair. Um, all right, Joey, your number two. Uh, let's see, I got to bring it up here. Number two, fucking Mr. Nilsson's Milson "Without You" by Harry Nilsson, dude. Um, if you guys aren't, if, if people, anybody else listening, not familiar with Harry Nilsson, um, wow, dude. Um, I don't even, I don't even, I don't, I don't, I don't have a word to describe Harry Nilsson. Um, I like uh, fucked up 
in the <laughs> is a, you know what I mean? Really messed up, dude. Um, very eccentric. Um, but this song in particular, if you don't know who Harry Nilsson is, chances are you've probably heard this song before. I think it'd be pretty safe to say that kind of most people would probably know this song. Um, but yeah, this is probably one of the saddest songs ever written, I think, in my opinion. Um, so much, uh, it's same kind of, he's the same kind of a level as like, is like a meatloaf. You know what I mean? His vocal range was just ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where this song came from. Um, cause he, like I said, he's kind of an eccentric dude. Um, and this was kind of like a, a big kind of a sleeper. He was the same dude that did lime in the coconut. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Lime in the coconut, yeah. Right. So it's like, he goes from that to this, um, but yeah, dude, just a just a really gut wrenching, beautiful song, um, and it's just not another one of those songs that I just kind of grew up hearing, you know. Um, and it was always like a song that my mom would play when she was sad. Um, I think it was like one of the. I think it was a wedding song. I think they played. My parents played it at their wedding and shit. Um, so yeah, it's just I got a lot of history with this tune. Um, so it just it resonates with me on a very personal level. Um, so that's kind of why I got so high up on the list. So I believe that this song was taken from an alternate universe where Harry Nilsson was Jim Croce, but instead <laughs> of Jim Croce picking up a guitar, he played piano instead. Um, and there this is uh, this is an incredible song um i just find i find they have similar vocal qualities um but i am going to be checking this out a lot more probably um in the next little bit uh but andrew uh you compare this to jim croce and um i mean you're not wrong but i get a I, jim croce is one of my all-time favorites um so that's a good comparison actually um yeah i think i no, i really love this like his delivery of this song is just so so raw and it's just naked like how stripped down and like so forward in the emotion that it is um i love this song it is great i it kind of just like fell under my radar um and i think more people need to know about this version because i think at least where i'm from more people know the mariah carey version which is good but it's not this <laughs> i didn't even know mariah carey did it man yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun tip. Right. If you want to sound like Mariah Carey, just get your foot caught in a bear trap. <laughs> You're welcome. Hello. That reminds me of the, uh, the the robot chicken sketch. Hello, yellow. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. On to, uh, on to my number two. Um, and I believe this is the first time on Tupac's playlist that we finally get to talk about Tragically Hip. Um, and this is one of their, uh, I wouldn't say it's their, their deeper cuts, but top probably like on the, on the bottom of their singles. Uh, it's a good life if you don't weaken. Um, so Joey, do you know who I mean? If I say Spencer Saladuka and the Tearaways? I sure do know Spencer Saladuka and the fucking Tearaways. Do yeah. you remember, do you remember the basis from that band, Simon? Uh, Simon went on to be in a band called Mind Waves, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he competed in a battle of the bands that I put on, and they won, actually. Oh, nice. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I so I work with, or I used to work, work kind of work, work with Simon. Um, but the first time that I heard uh, heard the song was um, him doing it at a at open mic at Baba's one night. Um, and I think that setting of it is the best is kind of the kind of the best version. But when you go even like even when you go into the studio into the, the original Tries with Hip version, I guess, and like breaking it down, 
the the guitar in this is so is so dreamy and then you have and then you have Gord with the that opening lyric when the color of the night and all the smoke for one life um i think this is like of the songs that we're talking about i think that he gets more emotion out of the verse than than the chorus um i think the chorus in this is um is is really cool especially you get that um you get that echo um, which which they were kind of kind of known for, and they would have um, in their in their better songs like a um, I had by century um, and a, and a couple others. Um, but yeah, kind of simplistic in where it's kind of like a like a two chord song where they kind of just kind of go back kind of go back and forth really. Um, but yeah, very dreamy, trippy, um, very fun or not very fun, but like um, one of the better examples of tragically hip in terms of just getting out of motion. Um, Andrew. Sorry. Hi. Um, this song is one that I really like a lot, like a lot, a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, but it's also one of those where I feel like it would automatically become like one of my favorite songs if I heard it live. Um, like the atmosphere in this is amazing. Like it, oh my God, it creates the sound that immediately puts you in like this. Uh, I can't even describe it. It's really good. I'm glad you put this on here. You won't be, you won't be able to catch it, catch it live, but if, if, if it's, <laughs> if it's somewhere, go check out their last show that they did in Kingston. Literally the country was like, the country was pretty well closed so that they, so that everybody could watch the show. Um, Joey. This is the one hip record I don't actually have. I don't have this record. Um, so yeah, I've only, I only just listened to this song, uh, like maybe a couple days ago. Um, so I, I'm not ashamed to tell you, I was not familiar with this song. Um, but yeah, dude, anything that's going to have a, you know, a, a, a slightly morose Gord Downey on it is going to sound good. Um, Long time running was actually going to make my list at one point. Um, yeah, that would have been. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, dude. Um, I don't know. I kind of get. I still kind of get emotional thinking about you know the hip and stuff, and especially Gord because um, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I think he had so much more in him, um, and just just a really unique combination of, of dudes in that band that just kind of worked in this really weird kind of way you know um I, I i always love gord's lyrics they're always kind of like quizzical and you know what i mean and kind of like if you know what i mean like ethereal and you know what i mean uh he kind of existed in his own in his own universe the gordiverse you know um but yeah i mean it's a beautiful song and i i, I kind of wish i wish the hip did more ballady tunes you know i know they have a obviously you know there's a hit by a century and a long time running in the, um but yeah i wish they kind of did um more of this because it's yeah it's a fucking it is a great song so i'm gonna have to go back and and rediscover this record too yeah um yeah and the, the other ballads from this band that i would have considered uh fiddler's green was another one oh, that's shit yeah that's my brother's that's my brother's personal favorite and then i know a lot of people um love grace grace too grace that two. being um day for night being, like, was that day? Was that day for night? Uh, On day for night? Grace I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, 
but you mentioned the um you mentioned the his his lyrics um and probably my favorite in that sense you go to uh to fingers and toes uh fingers and toes fingers and toes 40 things we share uh 41 if you include the fact that we don't care just like, <laughs> like almost like almost like a mitch almost like a mitch Hedberg joke where yeah. it's like like a like just non sequitur sort of silly fun um but let's go to joey for your number one uh, number one for me is uh, "Jealous Guy" by John Lennon. Um, what happened, to Andrew? Uh, oh, there we sorry. go. He's back. I'm back. Go. Sorry, I had to take care of something. Ah, no worries. Yeah, so number one for me is um is uh yeah "Jealous Guy" by John Lennon. Um, I love this record. Um, I I grew up a Beatles fan. I will always be a Beatles fan. Um. I just the the whole I don't know if you don't know the kind of like the the story kind of behind this, this song. Obviously, everybody knows that um, John and Yoko had a kind of a really weird relationship, um, and a lot of people say they broke up the Beatles. Um, but it's um, it's it's a, it, it's a super simple song. It doesn't have like like a typical falsetto that you you know what I mean, or like it doesn't really have like a big rise in action at any point. Um, but I think just the sentiment behind this song is something that's just kind of always resonated with me. It's just a very honest, um, it doesn't really feel like a song. It, f- it feels more like a confession, um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just, this this um, song's just always stuck out to me. Um, and uh, I mean, I always fell in love with it. I was always in love with this. With, and then I kind of re-fell in love with it because... Um, Elliot Smith at one point, who's another one of my favorite artists, um, covered this on uh, a record call from a basement on the hill. I think it was on, and uh, it kind of like inspired me to kind of go back and and rediscover all the John solo records. And um, everybody kind of associates John Lennon with the Beatles, right? But he had this entire other body of work that existed outside of that that was just as good. Um, if not better in some aspects. And this is just, if you haven't heard this song before, it's just a really honest um, song, you know, that I like to think is that was written for his wife, that um, the public was kind of scrutinizing him for, you know, and uh, they had some issues and yeah, I think it's just, um, just a really good Testament of why John Lennon's songs still resonate and are still relevant today. Cause there's just an honesty to them and it's uh, yeah, just number one for me. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of the song before. Um, but it's yeah, I've yeah, I've never heard of it. Um, but it's 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 unreal. Um, if you love Imagine, then you will love this. Then you will love this song. Um, I think it's all honestly like a culmination of, or, or he takes it takes a little bit of everything that he's that he's had from his past. Um, there you get that sort of lone piano ballad, um, from Imagine, but then you also get like sort of the base work that you would get from like a day in the life. And then there are aspects of this that I get from like um, early Billy Joel when, and um, when I like, and especially the ballad he does, uh, she's got away um, and just, um, and how it, how it's arranged, how it's arranged maybe. And, and just in the sense of like, uh, like American traditional folk, I guess in a way where maybe it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like have a chorus. Um, but yeah, Andrew. Um yeah, no. Uh, I think what you said earlier is right about if you like Imagine, you'll like this. Honestly, I think you might like this more. Um, 
because this is probably John's most earnest, open, like, song that I can think of of his. It's so personal. Um, and it's delivered that way. It's delivered as if he's talking directly to Yoko. Um, yeah, no, this is a, this is a fantastic pick. Yeah. Um, all right, Andrew, your number one. All right. My number one. Um, I think that this is the most epic in a sense song I have. Uh, I also think it's the most complex and I think it's the most beautiful. Um, it is Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues. I think that this song is just one of the most incredible sounding songs ever. Like the music in this, it's so good. The way it is just pieced together with like the the bass line and the drums, but then you get into the chorus where it starts bringing in like the like the guitars and then you fly into like the flute um it it's just an amazing wall of sound that is produced by this song and it's just incredibly epic it is like there's a full orchestra there um and the lyrics are so romantic uh and just the way that he delivers those lines just the way that he throws himself into that chorus and just the way that he screams, oh, how I love you. It's this utterly haunting romantic piece about, like, just seeing someone from afar that you absolutely are enraptured with. Um, it's incredibly romantic. It's an epic, romantic, orchestral song. Um, and it is just incredible. Uh, Joey. Oh yeah, dude. This is what this is what true love sounds like on acid. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what happened. This guy, like, f- yeah, he. I, I, I don't want to guess, but in my own head, that's how this song came to pass. He was really high on acid, and considering the was, Moody Blues, possibly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Um, but yeah, no, super, super, super orchestral, and it's kind of like what I said about Nina Simone. It's almost, um, it's like haunting, you know. It's um, it like really, really beautiful lyrics, and it's super atmospheric. But there's also kind of something that there's there's a darkness there, somehow, you know. Um, so I think it's kind of a perfect fit for a power ballad because like it kind of touches on both aspects of, you know what I mean, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really beautiful, but then it's also like some shit, obviously happened here. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Some shit went wrong at some point, you know. Um. But yeah, and this is, I think this is from, is this from Days of Future Past? I th- This was like, I could be wrong because I'm not up in my moody blues that much, but from what I understand, oh, this was, um, yeah, th- this was like more from one of their first records, I think. Uh, this is from... So let me double check. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Days of Future Past. So this would have been, I'm pretty sure, from their first record. I mm-hmm. think, um, maybe, um, and but anyway, but if you, but just, I mean, just think about that for a second, right? Yeah. Think about that for a second. You know, this, it's this crazy, 
nobody had done something like this, but this was pre pet sounds, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And I would put it kind of on that same level as far as for the production value that they put into it. Like it's fully orchestrated, you know? Um, so they were kind of like prog metal before prog metal, you know? Um, so yeah, they were kind of like, uh, like the, like the opeth of the sixties, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. It's kind of all over the place. So yeah, great pick. Um, I did I did have this at one point on on my list. There was actually them and another similar band, Procol Harum, um, with White. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I I just I didn't know if it kind of fit right because um, I think most people would probably associate this. Um, I th- I maybe I'm wrong, but I always I, maybe this is like one of those weird like Berenstain Bear moments. But did you guys ever <laughs> see that weird fucking? That weird Wizard of Oz remake with Farouz Abak, um, Return to Oz. Oh, no, but I know what you're talking about. I th- I always thought this song was in that was part of that soundtrack, and that movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but there's something really, yeah, so, like great pick. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of creepy, but like in a really good, kind of beautiful way. Um, yeah, um, I think whenever we were, t- um, Andrew, asked, whenever we were on the uh, 70s albums, and I know whenever Luca was talking about um, David Bowie and Heroes, and how these were, and how they're kind of separate EPs, I think this is a song that you throw in the middle of that, and then that album becomes perfect. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, um, just a kind of a kind of a good mix mix of both. Um, initially, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it, but I like how. Um, I like how his like how like the opening sort of yell of the chorus kind of sets up everything else. Um, but yeah, no, uh, really good choice. Um, yeah, and um, real quick, if you ever can find like the full version of it, where the the orchestra really comes in at the end, and there's like a full minute of that orchestra, listen to that version because that ending is amazing. Um, all right, on to my number one. This is a cliche. Oh yeah, we did. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, this is cliche white um, white boy Brock, um, but it's awesome, and it's I don't love you uh, from My Chemical Romance. Um, so you can tell that these guys definitely like, or they, they they grew up with the with the eighties, or they grew up with 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 a, with a love of eighties music because it's definitely that that aesthetic, like sim- similar what with to what you get with with like white with like White Snake or like Death like Death Leopard that we talked talked about the, previously. Um, and whether it's Michael Who Romance playing it, whether it's fucking Little Cities playing this at Fishbones at one thirty in the morning, um, you sing this from start to finish. Uh, my favorite section of this song is probably uh, the second verse. Sometimes I cry so hard from pleading, so sick and tired of all the needless beating. But baby, when they knock you down and out, it's where you ought to stay. Um, what I was alluding to earlier, and where like lead guitarists or rhythm guitarists are adding counter, counter melody, um, I'm not sure if it's uh, Frank Frank Aero or Ray Toro that's doing it, um, but especially whenever it's um, they get to the like uh, baby when they knock you down and out, it's where you want to stay. Um, whenever whenever Gerard Way comes off of the vocals, I find you're getting more more of that like more of that slide, um, not, not slide heavy, but more of that like chuggy, um, 
chuggy sort of like shifting around on the neck and i love and i love that aspect and i love that i love that attention to detail where you can where you can add in those add in those gaps and it gives the song so much more more re-listenability like to give the song a break and then come back come back to it for this list i kind of fell in love with it again but for everything that i've that i've missed like in junior high and then then again um in college but yeah andrew your thoughts yeah this song is incredible um I really love how the pre-chorus perfectly transitions into the chorus. The The craftsmanship of this is incredible. Uh, and Gerard Way is just one of those vocalists that you listen to and you're like, how on earth are you even like doing this? Like, why can't I sound like this? Um, yeah, this is one, once again, it's one that I feel like if I listened to more often, it might have made my list. Yeah. Um. I th- oh, what's I'm trying to remember, remember the name name the name of the other guy. It's not Matt Hanna, but the other but it's the other guy from Little Cities. Um. I any time they do My Chemical Romance tribute, I feel so bad for him because they get to this song and like I feel I like My Chemical Romance or Dragway in particular. I think has maybe one of the toughest set lists ever. Like whenever you're like, it, I, I I feel like we're gonna talk about him like Steve Perry in a few years where it's like, Oh yeah, Gerard Way lost his voice because he just had that much talent and that short of a, short of a time, time frame. Um, but Joey, your thoughts. Uh, Mitch Gallant is the other guy. From Mitch the Gallant, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Great dude. Um, I, I knew at some point that you were going to, there was going to be a, my chemical romance pick in your list. Cause I remember you've, you've fangirled over the many, many, many times before. Um, I, uh, these guys kind of completely skipped my radar only because at the time, I was a little bit kind of old. Well, not, not too much older than you, but um, my taste didn't really kind of when the, that whole, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but like when the whole emo scene kind of came around, you know, um, I, I definitely delved into that. Like I, I kind of went more the brand new direction though, more than the, the my chemical romance. So I've only actually ever heard this song the once uh, yesterday. Um, so uh I, th- what I will say about it is that I love the way that you were describing it um, because it's something that invokes a certain time and a place for you, um, puts you back to when you hear it, you remember being in junior high school or you remember being, and that I think is the most important thing about about doing these lists, right? Um, everybody's going to have differing opinions, um, not necessarily like my particular cup of tea, Um but I appreciate where you're coming from with it, you know, because um, you you feel something when you listen to it, right? Um, not that I'm taking away anything from the song musically, um, but I'm just I'm a stubborn old dickhead, and like, you know what I mean? I already I made my mind up about my Chemical Romance before I even listen to them. I don't I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm just one yeah. of those dudes. No, I'm that's just, totally um, no, that's what that's totally understandable. And like, and we've talked about before. Like, I think how like I think for your, not necessarily your, your generation, but I know that like you're a big fan of like Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, yeah. and like, just like a few years, a few years before, before our time. That's understandable though. But that is the list. That's the show. Um, a very fun time had by, by all of us, I imagine. Uh, honorable mentions though, uh, the one that I am going to, going to, going to briefly talk about, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to Andrew, um, is Beth by Kiss. Um, I, I fucking, I fucking love that, love that song. And like, even just structure wise, so simplistic. It just, it just, 
um, Paul Samley writing a love letter to his to his girl or to his girlfriend or whoever whatever she was at, at the time and being, being like, I know you miss me, but the boys want to play music, um, and I got to choose between that. Um, Andrew, uh, I'm gonna just kind of power through these because um, I have a lot. Um, Allison by Elvis Costello, Fix oh, You man. by yeah, Fix You by Coldplay, um, Open Arms by Journey. Madness by Muse, uh, which is one I think more people need to know. Um, You're the Voice by John Farnham. Weird choice, but I love that song. Keep on Loving You by Ario Speedwagon. Uh, Something About the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John. And Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. Um, very quick, very quickly to talk on to something about something about the way you look tonight. Go go find it on YouTube. Um, he does a duet with that um, with uh, Shania Twain for that song. And it's incredible, uh, Joey. Yeah, I had a whole bunch too, man. I, and it, it was a really huge, wide spectrum, dude. I, like I said, I had some some Smashing Pumpkins on there, like Mayonnaise, uh, Drown is another great song. Um, Apparition or uh, Appar- by my by Mac Goodband, I had on there at one point. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, Gin Blossoms, believe it or not. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Gin Blossoms, um, Goo Goo Dolls. Um, Dude, I had the wallflowers on there. I had so much, a lot of heavy '90s shit on there. Um, you, mean, you mean the great '90s one-hit wonder band, the Wallflowers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? What idiot put that on their list? <laughs> did somebody do that? Did somebody have that? Did I? No, that was me. Was it? Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember we had a heat discussion about that. I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> okay, well, no. Um. Yeah, man, there was a, there's it's it's so crazy. Like I said before, this was a really really difficult list to put together because there was it, like just kind of defining a ballot in, in the first place, right? Because like when people say power ballot, you automatically like people me anyway. I automatically go to the eighties, um, you know. But uh, yeah, ah, there's a lot of fucking great shit on there that I went back to. Like even even people like Amy Winehouse, um, uh, "I Love You More Than You Ever Know" by Donny Hathaway. Um, Dude, I had Ray Charles on there. I had fucking the Ronettes would be my baby on there at one point. Um, I was all over the place, dude. All over the place. Um, so yeah, I think there's something you guys could probably like redo, you know? Uh yeah. Like uh, you know, like a deck you could do like a decade thing, right? Because there's a lot of fucking content to cover, man. There's a lot of great picks out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, oh, the other one, there's one other one, I guess in that vein, I, I was gonna, gonna mention, um, uh, she's at, um, she's out of my life, uh, by Michael, by Michael Jackson, um, uh, okay. his, his, his little ballad from off the wall. Um, but next week, uh, is going to be, uh, our Taylor Swift episode. Uh, Scott Harvey is going to be hosting that. It'll be myself, uh, and Emma and his friend, uh, Emma Carter, uh, joining him. Uh, then the week after that is video game themes. Um, that one's already been recorded uh, as of recording this one. Um, so that'll be myself, Jim Green, Kelly, and, uh, and Doug. And then we then we do Wham. Uh, Wham will be um, will be on on the roll. Uh, and we are starting off with Jagged Little Pill, and then The Human Condition, uh, Led Zeppelin two, and then we are ending off June with Future Nostalgia. Um, and then we have a bunch of other ones lined up for July and August, but. Uh, cheers, guys, for Andrew, Joey, myself. Actually, uh, Joey, um, why don't you? Uh, would you like to sign sign this one off? Hey, yeah. Listen, I thanks to Multiplex for having me on. Uh, shameless self promotional plug here. I've got a podcast out right now. It's called Quarantine H Dirtbag. I call it ASMR for Rage Dicks. Uh, 
It's like, here's, here's what happens, okay? Your buddy Joey gets really high on edibles and then fucking vents about all his problems. Uh, they're about 20-minute episodes. It's basically, it's just me shitting on anti-maskers for about 20 minutes because they fucking make my brain break. And uh, if you want to listen to it, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Podbean. It's Quarantine Age Dirtbag. Check that shit out. Brooklyn Vale's a fucking beauty. All right. Cheers, guys. And as always, drive safely. <laughs>